and welcome to Relationship Rescue, the podcast. It all begins with you, and I am just so excited for today. So just get a pen and paper ready. Um, You are going to want to take notes. Um, You know, I recently asked this gal that, you know, um, know, I had a call with. She needed help, and she was telling me um, that... Part of her problem is she's constantly wondering what other people are thinking. Okay. And I said, I asked her, well, what do you mean? She goes, I go, what other people? Like your your spouse, your, you know, your children, your neighbors. What do you mean? She goes, everybody. She goes, I'm at Starbucks and I'll be wondering, you know, am I ugly? What are other people thinking about me? Um, You know, how can I please them? Really? Okay. Now I know what automatic negative thoughts are and I deal with, you know, this is one of the things that I deal with with my clients. But I think this was the first time someone actually admitted to me that they are really thinking about how they can please even strangers in a Starbucks. And if they are, if they look, you know, good to that person. Do you understand how much emotional space that takes up in a person? You can't, you can't possibly live your, live, you know, your life if you're always thinking about what other people are thinking about you and if you're able to please them. So, you know, and, and so basically it's what she's thinking is, am I significant? Am I significant enough for somebody to look at me? Well, where does this come from? Where do we, where do, you know, why would you worry about if you're significant enough for a stranger, for your partner, for anybody, right? Why, why do we, why do we, why do we think we're not good enough? Because at the, you know, at the core of who we are, many of us believe we're not good enough, right? Well, it's, it's because we have this ideal. What's an ideal? Well, it, you know, it's someone, an ideal is someone else's idea of what you should be or what the world should be. Okay, so you see, you don't, and that's where we we accept these ideals from the people that taught us these ideals as children. So we we bring these ideals with us. And in order to really have, you know, true freedom, we have to figure out what's making us suffer. And, you know, in, in our suffering is 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 a part of, it is a huge part of the fact that we have these ideals of who we think we should be, what we should be, who other people should be, what they should be doing. It's a, you know it's our rule book, right? So, so we so what what we have to do the first step that I do with you know my clients, whether it's couples or working alone, um, is we have to make the in, invisible visible. Okay, so that means I have to figure out what is. What are your ideals? Where where is your rule book coming from? You know, so so in the, and I ask, you know, are you are you ready to end your suffering? You know, so so the first actually the next step that is we have to have this awareness. Awareness is bringing the invisible visible. We under we need to understand what impact this is having on you. You know, most of us know um that we we are we are suffering because of something but we're not really sure what if you ever um 
had something in your life where you kept trying and trying and trying to change it. You kept trying to change it. And you, then you keep falling back into the same pattern. Then you get pissed off at yourself for not following through. And then you say, I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to change it. And then your energy is up and then your energy is down. And then you do it again until one day you say, not another day, not another moment. I'm not going to do this. I'm changing this and I'm changing it now. Has that ever happened to you? Well, that happened to me. And that is what I call that the pain of changing, of, of staying the same is harder than change itself. But here's the thing. Some people never get to that point. Some people will suffer their entire lives. They don't get to that point where staying the same is harder than change themselves. And you know how sad that is? That makes me so sad because I am living an extraordinary life. And I, my, my wish is for everybody to live an extraordinary life. So this makes me really sad. Have you ever stayed in a relationship for way too long? Like, you know, this is the wrong relationship. <laughs> this, I should not be in this, but I'm going to stay anyways. Well, why did you stay? Why did you stay? Why, or why are you staying? Is it because of an ideal? Like you're not a quitter. You're not getting divorced. You're not. You know, I'm not that unhappy, but I'm not happy and my parents would want me to stay or I'm staying for the children or, or, you know, really what it is, is it comes down to, you know, your rule book, your programming, what you've been conditioned to believe, you know, your ideals. So you stay in these crappy relationships, these mediocre relationships, you do nothing to fix it. You just would rather live in toxicity or unhappiness than make a move to actually do something. See, what happens, what that means is that you're giving more value to your ideals, to your beliefs than to yourself. Let me say, let me say that again so that sinks in. You're giving more ideals and value to your, to your ideals and belief than yourself, to your life, to the life that you've been given and gifted by the universe that is meant to be, you're meant to be here and live this glorious, extraordinary life, but you are willing to stay stuck in your rule book and your patterns and your ideals. That is terrible. And that makes me sad. So, so a lot of people, they go, well, I stay in the relationship, Heather, because, you know, well, what if I'm alone? What if being alone is worse than dealing with the spouse, you know, or you just questioned everything, you know, until you di basically did nothing. Well, maybe it's my fault. Well, maybe if I did this, let me try that. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Until all of a sudden, you know, 20 years later, hi, yeah, I'm woken up, waking up again with this person that I don't even like, but, um, somehow you have convinced yourself you're not enough. Does that sound familiar? You know, see, the only thing that changes life, I'm going to tell you this and I get your pen ready or you open this mind. The only thing that changes your life is a decision to change it. It's not our conditions. It's our decisions. It's not where you're standing now. It's the decision you make to stay or the decision you make to fix it. It's the decision that you make that's going to push your life in, into extraordinary, um, into an extraordinary life, or it's going to stay right where you are, stuck in, medio in mediocrity, or maybe you're stuck in a really bad position. But it's your decision. That's your decision. If you're staying, if you're in a bad spot, if you're in mediocrity, you're making that decision to stay. 
You see, the problem is many of us have been living with suffering our entire life. You know, and, and and when we think of some suffering for some of us, we think of, you know, oh, that, that person's weak. So then what do we do? Well, if we believe weak people are suffering, we pretend that we're not suffering. We pretend that our life is so great. We pretend that behind your closed doors at 1234 Perfect Street, Utopia, USA, that you have this beautiful marriage and this beautiful family when actually it really sucks behind those doors, right? Okay, because what is suffering? Suffering is for the weak. You know, we think of suffering that somebody is somebody that gives up. Well, you can't appear weak and that you've given up, right? So let me tell you what suffering is. Suffering is living in any state that is not a beautiful place to live regularly in your life. If you're not regularly living in a beautiful place in, within your life, you are suffering. In order for us to, to, to end our suffering, okay, we have to get rid of the rules, the ideals that make us suffer. Suffering is not in the fact, it's in the perception of the fact. I'm going to say that again. See, suffering is not in the fact in, in whatever is happening. It's in the perception of the fact in whatever is happening. So um, my nephew recently died. And I have been suffering and I was crying and, and, you know, and, and, and my suffering was severe and, and I, and I, I thought, okay, Heather, what's the meaning that you're giving this, this death? What, what is the meaning that you're looking at it behind it? Okay. And, you know, and, and I stayed in my suffering because my perception of his death kept me in suffering. It's in the meaning. What did I put? What did I what did I feel? My meaning was that I felt I should have done something that I didn't do. I felt I should have done more. That thought caused me to suffer greatly. But but in in reality, the perception of the fact that he did die the age of 26, he did die. My mother died at the age of 26. What What is a different perception of it? Well, I can't keep someone here longer than they're supposed to be. I know that he's in a much better place. He's at peace. He's with my mother. He is with all of the ones that have gone before him. And when you start, so when you start to change your perception of a fact, your suffering starts to end. Does, do you see that? And while I still miss him, and I will always miss him, and I will cry, and I will, when I think about it, I'm not suffering the way I was when my meaning of the fact of his death was, I put the meaning as, I should have done more. I could have done more. Why didn't I do more? That caused the suffering. Okay? See, if you and I are going to have an extraordinary life, and let's say that we, you know, we have millions of dollars, we have no money problems, we are, you know, and we, we should, to the outside world, we have this extraordinary life, but, the, but we're living in, you know, frustration, we're pissed off, we're full of doubt, we're, you know, we're full of worry, 
Well, what's the quality of your life? The quality of your life isn't extraordinary. The quality of your life is pissed off, worried, and frustrated. <laughs> okay? You think you see that's the thing when people think when people say money doesn't make you happy. See, money does make life easier. Money opens up opportunities. Money gives you choices. Money does take pressure off and money. Also, you know, you're able to create memories and travel and all of those great things. Right. But it doesn't make you have a great life because here's the deal. Your life is based on your emotions, your emotional home, your emotional stories, where you live, okay? See, money means nothing if you live in worry and frustration and doubt. Let's say you have three beautiful children that worship you. You have a partner that adores you, but your life is all about being overwhelmed, okay? Or you feel guilty, you feel worried, you feel this. Well, then the quality of your life is overwhelmed, guilty, worried, fear. The quality of your life isn't extraordinary. Because you're living where we really live is our emotional home, not at our address. So, like, have you ever thought about people that, you know, um, like they live in Louisiana? And if you live in Louisiana, I'm not, I'm going to explain this in a way you're going to understand. What always seems to happen in Louisiana? Hurricanes, right? Um, Floods. Okay, hi. For me, I'd be like, I am moving after like the the second time if my home is basically destroyed from a hurricane, another flood or whatever it is. To me, I'm like, oh, hi, move. If you, you know, why are you living in this, this place, right? Every time it keeps coming and something comes, some natural disaster comes, destroys your home. And, but you, but they, but you stay there. Well, why? Okay. Well, they say they're, they're used to it or whatever. And okay. But really, your emotional home is your most powerful address. Now, it's really not the place that you're living, okay? So meaning there may be a piece of that in that address, are they? I don't know because your emotional home is your most powerful address. Now, some people feel at home uncomfortable. They don't like it. But guess what? What have they felt their entire lives? Uncomfortable. So they're at home constantly judging themselves. Or your home could be worry, fear, doubt. Your home could be, I'm not good enough. Wherever your emotional home is that you continuously go back to, that's the quality of your life. We can blame our parents, but guess what? Our parents were amateurs. They did the best they could. Most of them had an amateur parent and they had amateur parents. No one teaches us how to live. I want to teach you how to live. Okay, that's what you you need to learn how to live. In order to live an extraordinary life and to live up to your highest potential, you have to change your emotional home. See, life is about growth. Why do my clients come to me? You know, uh, know, what, what do they get? I change their emotional homes. They go from the worry, the doubt, the fear. And they, be, they start to get to have self-awareness. They learn the tools to get out of their heads. They learn how to work with each other. You know, whether I'm working alone in, in group classes and whatever it is, they, I, I'm getting them out of their emotional home and putting them in a new home. So I want to ask you, and I'm going to ask you this, what does an extraordinary life look like for you? What does an extraordinary life look like for you? Where is your emotional home? 
When do you think it is that people really start living? When do they really, when would somebody really start living? When they face death. Now, I, part of the reason, you know, people are blown away when they hear my story and it's very tragic and dysfunctional, but really more than anything, a lot of death and a lot of unexpected death. So what did that teach me? I know, okay, I had the mother that when I was three years old, my brother was eight months old and my sister was seven that walked out the door to go to the grocery store on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 1972 at 1 p.m. in the afternoon to pick up some buns for a party. My parents were evening, uh, party they were having that evening for, you know, New Year's Eve and she was killed on the way. Hi. Um, yeah, I know that you can walk out the door and die on your way to the grocery store. I know because at the age of 10, I was literally dog paddling in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean outside an island called Cat K with my siblings who were eight and 13 while my father was burning alive on a boat. Over 60% of his body was burned in third degrees. He spent six months in a Miami burn center. He lived, shockingly, I can't believe it. But um, who would have expected that? If you somebody told you you're going to be 10 years old and you're going to watch your father burning alive in the middle of an, the Atlantic Ocean after your mother is, is dead already, and there's been numerous other things, by the way, be, between the age of 3 and 10, when my mother was killed and my father was burning in front of my eyes, there were um, three accidents that my father had. A snowmobile accident where he was drunk and crashed into a, a seawall going like 70 miles an hour. He rigged his snowmobile. Shouldn't have lived. He lived. He fell off of an electric pole. He was working for ComEd at the time in Illinois. Was literally pronounced dead. Lived. And it was one of his three car accidents that he'd gotten in. Drunk driving. He was the driver. Um, and where they told us that we had to go say goodbye to him because he was supposed to die. And we had to go, you know, we were taken down to the ICU to say goodbye. He lived. And by the way, after that, there were two more car accidents that we were told he was dead. So I am the person that lives because I know that life is so precious and it can be taken away at any moment. So, so if you were going to die at the end of this week, and I don't think you're going to, by the way, okay, at all. But if you were, maybe, you know, who knows? But what, what are you going to do? Who would you call? What truth would you tell? What emotion would you share? What would you say you're sorry for? Who would you tell you loved? If it was your last week, how would you live? I would hope it's not depressed. I would hope it's not worried. I hope it wouldn't be in fear. And I hope it freaking wouldn't be angry, right? How much energy would you put out? How hard would you dance? How much would you laugh? Okay. And, and how much would you take in the people around you? Now, here's the thing. Whatever your answers were, do that. Do that. I can tell you. I wouldn't, and I'm not, I'm not better than you. I've just learned about life. I would absolutely not have anyone to call and apologize to. I've said my apologies when I had needed to. I forgive people. I would call people and tell them how much I loved them. And I do live up every single day. I can tell you, I wake up and live to my highest potential. I'm not better than you. I just 
just got stick, sick of stay, stay, staying stuck in an emotional home that was ruining my life. There are three decisions that will control your life, okay? And this is part of how you will get emotional mastery. Three decisions that control your life. So when you're so, something happens, what are you going to focus on? Okay, so when you hear the information, whatever that is that happened, you know, what did you focus on? What did you picture? What did you say to yourself? What did you feel? What did you experience? Okay, so what are you going to focus on? Somebody tells you something happened or there's a situation, what are you going to focus on? What did, number two, what did that mean to you? And number three, what did you decide to do? Okay, and depending upon the answer to those three questions is the 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 way you the that's going to be indicative of the emotional home you're you're living in. You see, we get emotions with such intensity. You know, some people really enjoy being angry. They do because what is angry? What is anger for some? Well, it's like jet fuel. It makes them feel certain and significant. And you know, I need to go over the six human needs with you, with you guys, my listeners here soon, because there's six human needs in life and certainty and significant. If those are your top two needs, you're not living a very um, fun, emotionally healthy life. So what, but what does anger do? And well, anger makes you feel certain and significant. Okay. And if those are, again, those two needs are at the top of a lot of people's list. See, that means, you know, you don't have to do anything. You just get angry. You don't have to take any risks. You just get angry. And if you, and your anger is going to, you know, make you certain that you, um, you feel significant because you're angry. You are angry, right? Okay. So for guilt, some people, they just feel guilty every day. Every day they guilty, feel guilty. You know, it, it's, it's, they're just beating themselves up over and over again. So, you know, this emotional home is basically you're using whatever is happening in your environment to go there, okay? Because in that emotional home is where you feel comfortable. Whether it's good or bad, you're going to find a way to go back to your emotional home. That's your address, not the one in, you know, Louisiana that might have the hurricane. And maybe you stay there again because, one, you you like having... (laughs) There's a couple reasons you could stay, but anyway, I'm not going to go. Anyways, but you... um, your address where it means the most is that emotional address, okay? So I think it's kind of time to move, right? If, it, if your emotional home is anger, sadness, anxiety, depression, any of these things, it's, it's time to move. So if you're living in the ghetto emotionally, it's time to move. Maybe it's time for an upgrade. Maybe your emotional home is getting better, but you want to take it to the next step. So why settle? You know, why settle? Because everybody goes to their home, right? They do. They go back to that emotional home. So what I want to ask you is, where is your home? And I want you to answer that question honestly. Where is your home? Now, good news. Good news. I just finished... Um, putting together a six-week online interactive course that is starting on July 5th. It is insane. I'm only taking 20 people. The first five that register get bonuses, big ones. And I am going in, the, the course is called 
living your highest potential. I'm going to teach you emotional mastery. Um, I, 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 you are in six weeks, you are going to learn everything to live up to your highest potential. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the link to the course um, in, in the area that um, describes, you know, the episode. You can click on that link or you can go to my website and um, you'll the link will be in, in the website. You can go on there, you know, click the link. And with when you click the link, it's going to tell you everything about this six-week interactive course. We're going to have two calls a week live on Zoom where I'm going to talk for up to two hours. So four hours a week about everything I'm teaching that week. You're going to have question and answer time. If you can't be on that Zoom call, no worries. I'm going to put it in the course. You're going to get two calls with me. It's incredible. So again, the link to the course, Living Your Highest Potential, will be in my on my website, um, or I'm going to and I'm going to try to put it in the um, the um, um, summary section here in, in for the it, um, the podcast. So thanks for tuning in to Relationship Rescue, the podcast. It all begins with you. I hope to see you in the course. But it, you know, if you're not ready yet, if you're you're not ready to to make the change, you know, if it if it hasn't gotten to the point where it's harder to stay the same than change itself. You know, I hope you get there. Just do me a favor. Don't let it be that you 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 are on your deathbed and you go, why didn't I go for it? Why didn't I go for it? Anyways, thanks for listening. And I will be back again very soon.